and welcome back to the HR Grapevine podcast, a podcast series that takes an in-depth look at one of the most fascinating, important or divisive HR topics that is making the headlines. I'm Sophie Parrott, online editor at HR Grapevine, and each week I'll be joined by a different HR journalist as we explore the contemporary practice and most pressing debates in HR within a short podcast. So join me as we properly pick apart what it means to work in the people function. Today, I am joined again by Kieran Howes, Deputy Editor of Executive Grapevine. So welcome back, Kieran. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast again. Thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm sure as we were all aware earlier this week, April 12th was a very big day for people in England. And I'm sure something that everyone was talking about, as this is when outdoor dining, non-essential shops and several other sectors were able to reopen following the lockdown period. And as The Telegraph reported, easing of these lockdown restrictions forms the next step in Prime Minister Boris Johnson's roadmap out of lockdown. And just to give you some kind of top lines on some of the things that did reopen, as I said, pubs and restaurants are able to serve customers outdoors only. Non-essential shops were able to to reopen again and also outdoor venues including zoos theme parks and the like were able to reopen on that date too for many employees that headed back to a central place of work this week whether it was a bookstore a gym or working in a pub garden it is possible that they could have been out of work for some time and therefore the prospects of going back into a central place of work could have been quite daunting for them whether this was around the commute or just getting back into the swing of having a working routine and being around colleagues again, there are lots of things for employers and HR to consider when facilitating this return. And some of the sectors that were able to reopen this week have been some of the hardest hit amid the pandemic and may have had a large portion of employees placed on the coronavirus job retention scheme, which was a scheme introduced by the Chancellor last year, which almost acted as a lifeline to businesses when the pandemic hit. And just having a look at some official statistics from Statista before the podcast, it was explaining that by February 28th, 2021, the accommodation and food services and wholesale and retail sectors had high numbers of employments furloughed under the job retention scheme. And separate data from Statista found that as of March 15th, 2021, approximately 11.4 million jobs from 1.3 million different employers in general were furloughed in the UK as part of the scheme. And as the stats have shown, obviously the first data set was referring to specific sectors and the second was painting a more general picture of furlough uptake in the UK. Lots of people have been placed on furlough throughout the pandemic. And of course, you know, like everyone's had unique challenges, those that have been placed on furlough may have been out of work for a long time and there will, of course, be challenges associated with that. So, Kieran, what are some of those challenges? Yeah, those are some amazing numbers that you just mentioned there, Soph. I mean, 11.4 million people on furlough in this time. That's a massive amount of the workforce. And whilst many out there, including myself, may be ecstatic to be able to go out to their favourite shops or grab a cold pint in a hopefully very warm beer garden, there are huge mental health ramifications in this move back to working life. 
Many actually have not been socialising outside their household at all. Many who maybe don't come from a family household may have been extremely isolated in this time, meaning that interactions with others as they get back into the workplace is a really anxiety-inducing prospect. Whilst others may have spent so long out of their working environment that they feel that the prospect of going back to work itself is just very daunting. Many have also had the stress of the pandemic compounded by the financial instability of being on furlough. Remember that uh, the government standard is 80% of pay and whether their companies top that up or not, uh, you know, it was completely down to the companies themselves. So this is yet another factor that could contribute to progressively poorer mental health in this time. And of course, there are further fears about going back to the workplace as well. So there could be worries about having to hop onto public transport, if that's your main way of getting into the uh, the workplace, or, you know, about interacting with other people physically when you get there. And, and you know, the, the health and safety aspect there is obviously huge and something that a lot of companies are really focusing on. So last year in a previous lockdown, Cartridge Save found that a third of UK staff were scared about the prospect of returning to work, claiming that they didn't feel that it was actually safe to do so. And it's very possible that that could be the same this year too. So HR needs to be extremely aware of the complexities around this process. It's not just about throwing the doors open and welcoming people back. The return to work is a process and one that needs some fine finessing. So I've just talked through some of the key challenges for workers in this time, but obviously those challenges raise challenges for businesses to overcome those. And re-engaging people as they come back into the workplace is extremely key there. So I think, Sophie, you're going to talk us through that a little bit. Yes, absolutely. We've kind of compiled a couple of different tips for HR when it comes to re-engaging furloughed staff members as they transition back into the workplace. So the first key point to touch on is comms. And as we all know, comms has played a huge role in the pandemic. And I think definitely the same can be said when it comes to returning staff members back to work. So this could be comms around you know, regarding what time they should arrive, what is expected of them. And those sorts of things are particularly key if a staff member has been on furlough and out of a traditional routine for some time. This should be communicated early on and as clearly as possible, but also giving employees the opportunity and the space to ask questions if they need to find out something or perhaps need something clarifying. Also, as Kieran touched upon earlier, the importance of health and safety. So definitely communication around health and safety measures that are in place. One, I guess, to to reassure them that their place of work is a safe space for them to be, but also to help keep their customers and colleagues safe too when it does come to reopening the workplace. And having had a look at a couple of uh, statistics before the podcast, the Workplace Safety Index report published by the compensation experts found that 37% of UK staff believe that their employer has not taken social distancing rules seriously throughout the pandemic. In addition to this, this alleged lack of social distancing rules enforced by bosses has resulted in 39% saying that they felt unsafe in their place of work. So as I said, definitely comms around health and safety measures in place will likely help ease that anxiety because staff know what to expect. And it may also help that transition when returning staff back to the workplace. 
Also, if people have been on furlough for some time, a challenge for HR could be around motivating people back into that working routine. And actually, a tip shared on the Kirsty Craig Associates website was around maintaining motivation with the use of clear KPIs. So this is kind of around setting and communicating clear targets, projects and challenges. And it said that setting meaningful KPIs would really help to foster a sense of accomplishment. So I think definitely communicating this early on is a good idea when it comes to re-engaging furloughed staff as they transition back to a central place of work. The next tip is around training. So if people have been out of a traditional working structure for some time, it's possible that they may need a bit of a refresher either about their role or about the business as a whole, those sorts of things. So to help with this, HR could consider providing some training to help make this transition a bit easier. And I guess this will have following benefits for the business if employees are able to kind of slip back into a working environment more seamlessly. So in terms of training, there's many ways that you could go about this. So it could be around day-to-day basics of their roles, giving them a refresher on what their job role entails, the day-to-day tasks that they may have to do, technical training that they may need in a physical workplace, or even just talking people through where everything is kept. For example, if the stationary cupboard has been moved or, or those sorts of things, just keeping people on the loop so that when they get to work, they feel as if they know where everything is and, and that what they're going to be doing. Also as well, training around health and safety guidelines will also be crucial during this time. It could also be really useful to poll employees to find out what kind of training they would find useful and then rolling out support measures in response to that, just to kind of make sure that there is a holistic approach to this training. Having had a look at the CIPD's website, it was advising that when it comes to returning staff, employers and HR should have a reorientation or reinduction process. And things within this could include managers setting up one-to-one chats with every employee to talk about things that are health, safety and well-being related. So those are just a couple of tips that I found when taking a look. Kieran, have you got anything else to add in terms of how else HR could go about re-engaging fellow staff when returning to work? Yeah, I, I really like your point there, just to say, Soph, about training. It is so important because obviously people just slotting back in, it's just not going to happen that way, you know. And I know personally I'd be very anxious to know whether my skills were still, you know, up to snuff kind of thing. So I think that's a very good point there. But I think it's also important for HR to take into account that the feeling around returning to work is extremely varied. You know, what's true for one person may not be true for another. So not only communication, but actually regular questionnaires and check-ins to ensure you're getting the general feeling of staff is, is very, very important. That's something that you kind of highlighted there as well. And these can easily be turned into action points. You know, if someone is struggling with the volume of interaction that they're experiencing, it may be worth altering shift patterns to ease them back in to high traffic periods, which is obviously going to cause more anxiety than maybe what you might traditionally call the graveyard shift. And if you have the means, offering support in the form of mental health first aiders or company approved therapists can also be extremely helpful for those coming to terms with returning to this normal working life or some semblance of normal working life. I spoke to uh, Nikki Sahota, who's the head of people at a restaurant chain, Tortilla, 
earlier in the year. Again, this was a previous lockdown period. And she noted that mental health support has always actually played a really big part of their offering for staff. But especially that's true now uh, with the return to work. And she said that people feel that they can really truly open up with someone outside of the company, maybe more than they can with a line manager or HR, and that trained professionals can teach people how to work on their mental health and create coping mechanisms, coping techniques when they feel overwhelmed. And uh, I, I really like your point on communication, so I think there's an additional element here, which is recognition. It's not only important to be open with people about how the return to work will actually be implemented, but also to recognise their hard work in returning as much as possible. And this could be as complex as creating care kits for returning staff, maybe with some face masks and hand sanitizer and, you know, the odd work treat thrown in there as well. Or as simple as absolutely ensuring that you have regular check-ins. And in those regular check-ins, you're telling people how great they're doing and how you see their hard work uh, and feeling that their efforts are recognized in such a turbulent period could be a massive boost to staff. I think we all know what a mood booster getting a kudos from a manager can be. And of course, whilst mental well-being of staff is extremely important, there's also hard business outcomes here too. Those who are struggling with the concept of being back in work are not going to be doing their best work. They're going to be preoccupied. They're going to be anxious. Their minds are going to be taken up with other things. So HR will play a pivotal role in the coming weeks and months in not only easing people back into working life, but ensuring that they are motivated and engaged to achieve their best and to be the best worker that they can be. And those things are, of course, intrinsically linked. You know, there's there's lots of different tips that we've shared throughout the duration of the podcast, whether it's to do with comms, training or rewards and recognition. If employers and HR get this transition right and it's well managed, then staff will likely have a better understanding of their role in the business and as a result could be more productive and there could be lots of follow-on benefits, which is particularly good for businesses at the moment, many of whom may be struggling to navigate this turbulent time. But unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. HR Grapevine wouldn't exist without your continued readership and engagement with our content. Whether that's our daily newsletters, monthly magazines, webinars, live events, or market leading research papers. So to find out more or to sign up to our daily content newsletters, which showcases solutions and best practice answers to all of your HR issues, please visit hrgrapevine.com.